This episode is proudly sponsored by The Helix, a new innovation district located in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the heart of the Northeast Corridor. The Helix provides a critical ecosystem for innovation by offering a range of physical environments, a vibrant community of leading innovators, and a strategic central location on the Northeast Corridor. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others will all call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is where ideas will come to life. To learn more, visit helixnj.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights. With your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers insiders, Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. A special edition, the Ace Bailey Rutgers rant. I first heard the name Ace Bailey. It sounded like a Canadian hockey player. Turns out it is a Canadian hockey player, but this is not the same Ace Bailey. Ace Bailey, the biggest recruit to ever commit to Rutgers 610 forward. I went to, I'm sure, I'm sure I did what every Rutgers fan did, fellas. And I went on and looked at his YouTube highlights and Holy goodness gracious. I don't know that Rutgers has had a player who certainly looks like him. I'm just amazed that uh, the job Steve Peichel did to get this kid into the program. Brian, you were there for the Ohio State game. Why don't you just give us a sense of how the whole thing went down? It was just an absolute mayhem of a of an afternoon. For the game itself, overtime thriller back and forth was crazy. And then we're in the press room after the game. We're doing the press conference. After the press conference, I get a tip. Ace Bailey just committed to Rutgers. And my mind is blown because we knew Rutgers was in it for him. They were competing with Auburn. But it always felt like with his connections to Auburn, they were the heavy favorites. I, you know, I, I got the tip. Usually what we do with these recruiting stories is the kids themselves announce where they're going. You give the kids a chance to you know, have a spotlight and you get ready to uh, you know, post when they, when they announce it. But... Some national media guy jumped the gun. I don't know if he jumped the gun, but he 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 put the news out there. We put the news out there, and uh, it's exploded through Rutgers, the Rutgers fan base, the college basketball world, because this is something that Rutgers just does not do. It's another. It seems like every year Steve Peichel takes this program to another level beyond what I think a lot of people could have reasonably expected, and this is the latest sign. Because, like you said, Rutgers does not get kids like that. Six foot ten matchup nightmare. Uh, just an athletic, you see the NBA potential oozing out of him. And you saw the reaction from Pico when the kid told him he was committing in that video in the locker room. Uh, it just kind of tells you how big this is. And and it's further proof of, you know, of, of where this program is headed. 
Yeah, a couple of things there, Pat. And it's funny, like I, I watched the, the two things in that video that I watched. This this is a 6'10 guy who brings the ball, ball up the floor like a guard, number one. Number two, then he pulls up for a, a three-pointer. He's got a beautiful stroke. He's long. He's going to fit into whatever Rutgers does defensively. And you mentioned it, uh, Brian, that, that video to me, like I, when you wonder, you hear Rutgers and Auburn, you're thinking two things. <laughs> like one, he's going to get paid at Auburn. Of course. Of course, that's what's happening there. Even before NIL, he's getting paid at Auburn. So you're like, all right, well, that's good. That's how that's good. This is what it's going to come down to. He's going to say, oh, I love Rutgers, but, you know, you know, Papa's got to eat, the kind of stuff. But then you see that video, Pat. I mean, that's it. Like, they're, 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 Steve Peichel as a recruiter, we are done with that narrative. It is over. Done. Done. It is yeah. over. Forget about it. Again. It is done. I mean, and do you see how it's, do you see how he does it? The kids love him in that locker room. That That's completely genuine. That video is just like, that should be the, that should be the recruiting tool for the next generation of Rutgers athletes. Pure. It's just, he's a class guy. And in every sense of the word, whether it's in the press conference, after the press conference, he comes around and shakes every reporter's hand, whether it's how he recruits players, the way he's, he just strikes me as such a genuine coach, Pykele. And people just love him for that. So I think you're right. It was pure emotion and a video that's just going to last for a really long time. And look at the way all those other, like Cliff jumps in, all the other players are going crazy. I mean, it was a bigger deal than the win. And of course, it is a bigger deal than the win. Uh, <laughs> it really, it really was. It is. And think about Cliff going to recruit Dylan Harper, too, was another side note. Right. Uh, like, yes. They have players recruiting players, and it's just the it's just a true program that like every every way you want a program to be run, Rutgers is doing it the right way. Yeah, so that that takes to the next point because a couple of unprecedented things could happen here, you know. And you mentioned Dylan Harper, obviously. It's hard to believe, but he is the big catch in this class. You know, everyone everyone's pretty sure he's he's the NBA NBA player, probably if not already ranked the top player in twenty twenty four class. The idea you get both those guys, in addition to, I mean, you know, they're, they're already we're off to a good start before that. Then you've got we even what you've got a Fab Five level class. You've got a recruiting class that's already now in the top three. You know, I've look, I was looking at it. Today, I guess North Carolina's got a, three five stars already. It's going to be hard to top that. But still, I mean, you could have one of the best recruiting classes in the country, number one. And then number two, we're starting to talk, all right, these kids going to stay for the full four years. That's never, that's another unprecedented Rutgers situation. I know that, you know, they, they've gone way back. They've had guys jump to the pros, but not like this. Yeah, it's, it's an, an incredible, it's new frontier for Rutgers in recruiting. I've had a lot of uh, older Rutgers fans email me uh, the fact that I've said Ace Bailey is the highest ranked recruit to ever commit to Rutgers. A lot of people keep mentioning Phil Sellers was the number one player in the country in 1970, whatever. There was no 247 sports composite. I couldn't find his profile. I don't know <laughs> what people are talking about. But it's, and they're in it for these kids. The, the next step for Rutgers was being involved in this recruitment, maybe being the runner-up. And being showing that they can compete, they're getting these kids. They're getting Ace Bailey. Yeah, yeah. They're right in there with Dylan Harper, them and Duke. Uh, here's a Rutgers rant exclusive nugget that I uh, received last night. So Ace Bailey was at uh, the Rutgers game, obviously, on Sunday. So he was in mm -hmm. New Jersey. The day before, Dylan Harper's team, Don Bosco, was playing at Caldwell. Don, Dylan Harper was not playing. He hurt his uh, wrist in a, in a game earlier in the week, but his team was there. And in the stands was Ace Bailey. Ace Bailey went to see Bosco Caldwell. Wow. No, Bosco, I think you couldn't, you couldn't get Mike Caldwell. Kinney at Bosco Caldwell. Ooh. 
It was Bosco Montclair at Caldwell University, to be clear. Okay. Oh, I see what you said. Okay, got it. All right. That's gotcha, a little bit gotcha. better match. Okay. But the, he wasn't there for the basketball. He was there to see Dylan Harper. Of course. Uh, right. You mentioned the Fab Five. When I talked to him Sunday after his commitment, he said that his pitch to Harper is essentially, let's be the next version of the Fab Five. Me, wow. you, uh, my buddy, Jermichael Davis. He's a close friend of his who plays on his AAU team and high school team. And look, I, I think people have asked me, whether this helps or hurts Dylan Harper, that Ace Bailey is coming, I think it absolutely helps. Who wouldn't want to play with of a course, guy like that? Right. And the one thing Rutgers didn't have compared to Duke in that battle is, for example, Duke is just loaded with five stars. So obviously Dylan was never intimidated by playing with other talented players. And now Rutgers has a guy to pair with him in that level. Uh, I mean, Rutgers has a better, a better recruit in 2024 than Duke has in that class, right? right? So Rutgers is ahead of Duke. And yeah, and look, I think the chances of Rutgers getting Dylan Harper are real. I don't think he's close to deciding yet unless something has changed recently but i think they're going to be in it till the end and if they land dylan harper i think uh i mean the, the trajectory of this program completely changes and a note really quick on you mentioned the building of a program the reaction to ace bailey committing in that locker room none of those kids well not not many of those kids are going to play with him cliff could right. play with him he's not probably not going to stay another two years paul isn't going to play with him you know but they're just fired up for the program for Peigel, you see Geo Baker still involved. You see Ron Harper Jr. tweeting at Big Ten refs because like like a fan watching these games. This is the program, the culture, the the, yeah. the, the what what Steve Peigel has built and what he continues to build. And I'm fascinated, truly fascinated to see how far this goes the rest of this year and the next couple of years. So yeah, we were at, I was at the uh, you were there too, Brian, at the Camden Bosco game, which was just a scene at King College for Dylan Harper. And I got the sense I'm not, I'm not just saying this because I'm on a Rutgers podcast. I got a sense that that is really real that that they've got an excellent shot at this kid. And it's funny, I was talking to someone who is in NBA circles, and his analysis on this was, and I'm going to write a column on this. So I'll spoil most of it. His analysis on this was, oh, so where where are you getting better coaching now, Rutgers or Duke? My first point was, what are you crazy? But then you think about it. No, I mean, that's like, Coach K's gone. <laughs> like, if you're looking at it from strict, I mean, Steve Peichel's a more established coach, right? I mean, when you look at when you look at what's going on at, at Duke, I mean, you look, and I, I think we still tend to look at this as like, and, and it's just natural. We still see it as Fred Hill's Rutgers. We still see it as a program that where it was 20 years ago. You know, Ace Bailey's not looking at, at Eddie Jordan here. He's, he's six, 17 years old. You know, they, they only see the last five years. And what they see is a team that's beating Purdue on national t TV, a team that's in the NCAA tournament, a team that's got great facilities and, and an established head coach that, that kids like to play for. They don't see the history. And I think that's what's happening now. I mean, they they know Ron Harper. So I, it's, 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 it's just a different thing, uh, what's happening recruiting-wise now. And if they get Dylan Harper, this Pat, this is a national program now. That's what it is. That's it's so crazy to think about, but you're 100 percent right. Dylan Harper would be like the just just the final the final piece and uh, a national brand at Rutgers basketball. I mean, they could they're right in here in the Big Ten right now. So I right. mean, that's yeah. they're they're going to be back in the tournament again. So I would even argue that maybe they are a national brand right now. Yeah, people that's are talking point. about them every day. Sure. All right, so they played a game, and it was a great game, another overtime game. Brian, one of the uh, 47 stories you wrote over the weekend that I really liked was the uh, one where you could have captured what that, that the moment was when they beat Ohio State, and it's just kind of become, and it really is like, oh, yeah, okay, well, we beat, all right, great. But 
who we got next. And it is kind of funny to think about it because that would have been a big deal a couple of years ago. Now it's just another Big Ten win, five and two in the Big Ten. That's still behind Purdue after uh, Purdue gutted one out uh, against Michigan State. And this is a funny thing about that program. That it's every game. There's another guy. This was Moat Mag's game. That three pointer shows his development, the willingness to take it and make that shot. What did you see overall from this? Cam Spencer again, you know, twenty point. Look, almost he had a you know poor man's triple double, like twenty seven and six. I think. Uh, I mean, what what were the keys in this one? And and, and where's this team at right now? It's incredible. You mentioned that the, everybody have a different night. Moat Mag had his night. I think he's one of the more underrated players, not just on Rutgers but in the Big Ten. So uh, it's good. He. He brings it every night on defense. It's good to see him bring it on the offensive end. And if he can continue to do that, I think Rutgers is going to have another really, really uh, big player there. This is another example. It's not the only one. The Indiana game comes to mind. I remember thinking after that game, if this happened five years ago, they would have stormed the court and celebrated for hours after. And it's right. just they're, they're already thinking about the next game after that. They're already thinking about Ohio State. And then they beat Ohio State in a crazy game. 22 lead changes back and forth. Just haymaker after haymaker. And people... You know, maybe because people were rushing out of the building to go watch the Giants, but people were, you know, it was kind of ho-hum. It, it is what it is. This is what Rutgers does now. It's crazy to say that, but this is what Rutgers does. The expectations of the program have completely changed, and they're winning games in different ways. They relatively held down the third best offense, third most efficient offense in the country in the first half. And then in the second half, when Ohio State is scoring, I think they scored eight straight buckets at one point. They're punching right back. They're scoring against them. So they can win in different ways. Uh, Ohio State's defense is not great, but that's a different story. Uh, but th- this game keeps them on pace to fight for the Big Ten title. I don't, I think it's going to be tough. We can go into this later, I guess. But Purdue looks, you know, heads and shoulders as the favorite. Winning the way they did at Breslin Center yesterday was incredibly impressive. But for Rutgers to keep up with them, they have to win games at home like this. And they did. Yep. it to, to win a game in that spot, too, a desperate Ohio State team that lost three games in a row was just – they needed to win so badly to win in that spot in overtime. I mean, just – this team is is different. I think it's proven that at full strength. This isn't just a fluke one week, two weeks. This is this is what they are. And and we can also discuss what this means for March because I, I think there's a very big difference between winning in the Big Ten and winning in the postseason – but for now, I think Rutgers is going to be in it till the end uh, for the rest of the Big Ten, the Big Ten title race, especially because per Bart Torvik, they have the easiest schedule remaining in the league. Well, that's and- so that so th- that's my next point. It's kind of funny because I thought, all right, well, at least they're through the hard part of the schedule. But I mean, the next eight, the next seven games <laughs> are at Penn, at Michigan State, Penn State, at Iowa, Minnesota. Okay, that's 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 one easy one. Michigan State at the Garden, then at Indiana, at Illinois. So I mean, uh, so that that was this is wait, that was the hard part of the schedule. I mean, that's like that's still pretty tough. You're still looking at it through a prism, Steve. <laughs> you got to accept the new Rutgers that the Rutgers. But it's still Michigan it. State. It's yeah, still I know, Indiana. I know. I know. I mean, it's still I know, at Illinois. Know, it's not like I'm like you know Michigan State twice. They yeah, won at Purdue, Steve. Well, I get it, but that's still a hard schedule. I right? I understand. Iowa I, I was always a tough game for Rutgers. I of course, yeah. I I would beat them once already. Yeah, Penn State's much better. I mean, that's again, that's when you. Probably you should win, but the idea they're favored in in most of those games, all of those games. Are they favored? Are they favored at Michigan State? I, I could check Ken Palm right now. I yeah, would, but not, um, but not in Vegas. In Ve- Vegas, well, well, Vegas follows Ken Palm pretty closely, but I would say probably not. I'll say Michigan State will be a slight favorite, but they'll be favored in a lot of these games. I think. I, I don't think. How should I say this? I think one of the questions we'll address later is how many wins they'll win in the Big Ten. I think they'll win more. They they have thirteen games left, right? I would reckon thirteen they, games. 
I, w- I would reckon they finished that with that last 13 game stretch with the winning record. All right, let's dive into that. True or false? We haven't done it in a couple of weeks. I've missed it. Not really, but here, let's do it anyway. True or false? You guys ready? True or false? Start here. Rutgers will win at the Breslin Center for the first time on Thursday night. Bonseca, true or false? This is a very tough one. I will say true. Wow. Okay. Pat? I'll play devil's advocate and go false. Uh, that's such a tough. I mean, I watched that game. I'm, I'm they they look. It's an Izzo team. I'm, I'll go false as well. They got to lose eventually. Some of these games. Uh, all right, true or false? This hoops team is going to win twelve or more Big Ten games. Putting the over under on twelve. Fonseca, you taking the over or the under? Or did I hit the number? Smashing the over. I will take. I'll, I'll say true. True. Okay, Pat. I'm just doing some quick math, which I'm not good at, but true. True. They're five and two now, right? Correct. I'm going to go false. I think, I think that's the number. I think 12 is the number. And that's still 12 and 8. That's a great, great year, right? Good grief. Uh, all right. True or false, Cam Spencer is the best addition in transfer portal history. I know we're gushing a little bit now. Certainly in Rutgers transfer portal history. True or false? And Rutgers transfer portal history, undisputed. Undisputed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No question. It's amazing. Good grief. I could can't believe they uh where was he again lafayette no loyola maryland loyola i get them all get them all confused get the all l's get the l schools confused i might have written lafayette you did would you correct that for me if i did uh true or false football question i don't think we've ever gotten this far in the podcast without mentioning football football recruiting is turning the corner true or false uh false too early say i'm gonna say true True. All right. Well, I mean, they got a four star, right? True. We'll talk about him in a minute. I'm going to go true as well. True or false? The most important hire for Rutgers now, the offensive line coach. On second, true or false? True. Pat? Big area of improvement. True. True. They got to nail that one. Uh, true or false? Kirk Shiraka, who we finally met at a press conference, talk about that next, has a sound plan to restore this offense. You guys listen to him. What do you think? A- of Captain Kirk. True, but uh, it's one thing to have a plan. It's another thing to execute it. The jury's still out on whether he can do that, but I'll say true. Pat? I think his plan is really good. Uh, he seemed like a true professional to me, so I'm going to say true. Yeah, true. Great press conference. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and finally, r- true or false, Rutgers will add a quarterback before this summer because that's just one we can never can never escape. True or false? I'll say false. Okay. I'm going to go false as well. I think they got their three. Wow. I, I'm waiting. After the spring game, I bet you they add one. So I'm going to say true for now. All right. Lots to lots to unpack there. Do you want to talk basketball? Anything, any, any last things to tie up there with basketball before we in true or false? 12 wins is a lot of, that's a nice season. I mean, how many seasons, how many teams are 12, over 12 wins in the Big Ten every year? What is it? Two or three? Three or four, probably. Yeah. Four? It depends on the yeah. year. Uh, but yeah. I would say, like, I think they won 12 games last year, didn't they? or the year before that, uh, I think they went 12 and eight at one of these right. last two years. Okay. And they've never been one this good. They've never had wins this good this early. They have two road wins in their first three road trips. Right. And they almost beat Ohio mm-hmm. state on the road. This team is, is good. And I think they almost beat Ohio state in the road. Anyway, they, I'm sorry. Yeah. They almost beat Ohio state. Don't start Steve. Don't, don't you're getting too far. The fan bandwagon for my leg. I love it. I just such an easy one to needle you with. Okay. Sorry. Oh, it gets Didn't me going. It does. It does. I know. Factual inaccuracies get me going. Yes. Um, <laughs> But if they're going to contend for the Big Ten, they're going to have to win 14, 15 games. And I think they'll get there. But I think, again, I think if we, if I had to bet, I think Purdue wins the Big Ten at 15 and 5. I would guess Rutgers goes 13 and 7, 14 and 6, something along those lines. Right. Okay. 
Brian, uh, did you touch on this in your story about Cam Spencer when you wrote it in the preseason? Like, why did nobody else want this guy besides Rutgers? Was it, was it just like a true find, uh, like a, a Pykel plucked this guy out of nowhere? Or how did that happen? He was hurt for a bit in his college career, and that kind of slowed things down. He had a hip issue that he had to get surgery on before his last season at Loyola. That's kind of slowed him down. And two, I mean, I think people just have a general distrust of low major stars, right? Because I think that was the question for a lot of people coming into the season. Can he translate into the Big Ten? And I think when he struggled against Miami without Paul Mulcahy on the floor, I think people kind of started, he's obviously disproven that. Um, he's, I think he, he leads the Big Ten in steals defensively. He's able to create his own shot offensively. He looks great. Uh, but I think that doubt kind of crept in there. He doesn't have really the intangibles. People were worried how he'd do against more athletic defenses. And then the same is kind of the, the true for um, high school. Uh, he his only offer was Loyola Maryland, and he went there. Um, so I think people have just been doubting him for a long time. I think that fuels him. Uh, and, and in fairness, though, he did he was getting recruited by like Loyola Chicago out of the transfer portal, so he had some interest. But I think Rutgers uh, was the perfect fit for both sides, and that's just how it kind of came together. He doesn't look like a Big Ten player. I mean, coaches make that judgment all the time. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how you end up with Ron Harper Jr. with only two coppers. They, you know, they just look at things. They don't, they don't they don't study it. They don't look for basketball players. They what is that? What is he, does he look like a Big Ten player? No. Okay. Well, he is. Guess what? He's a great one at this point. Right. But if you looked at the uh, the analytics, like like his his numbers before, last season, like he was off the charts as a player. He was like one of the highest rated players in the transfer portal as far as like his offensive rating and his shooting. And uh, but to your point, yes, people looked at him and said, I don't see it happening at a higher level. I'll pass. And then obviously Rutgers swooped in and got him. All right. A couple of football points. Uh, what'd you guys think of uh, Kirk's rock? And I loved, he this guy who's been here for a long time. He was, I thought he was really great. Answered questions. Well, thoughtful answers was up there. I think what, 20, 20 minutes more than that. And at the end of he goes, all right, see you guys in a year. We'll never talk to that man again. Like he's a he's a he's a first perfectly functional adult can handle the media making one point four million dollars a year. Goodbye. Okay, great. We can't. We're not allowed to speak to you ever again, uh, which is hilarious. But um, I mean, yeah, you, Pat, you wrote about it today. I mean, he, he just about what he said plan wise, and and you asked the tough question. I thought the question that had to be asked: What happened the first go around? Exactly. And, yeah. Exactly. We didn't get an answer to it, you know, unsurprisingly, really. But well, sort of. He said he did learn from it. He I mean, learned from it, I guess, right? Like, and that failure at Rutgers set up his next two great successes. But um, I was overall very impressed by his professionalism. I thought he, like you said, thought out every answer, went on and on and on, and talked about the plan and how he's going to fit. Fit schemes based on the players, and it's all about balance, but not running the ball 40 times and passing the ball 40 times. It's about executing the game plan to win the game. I, I just, I just, I was really impressed, was my takeaway. Right. Based on what Chiano said, he, he's, he was gushing. I mean, I, I get it. You, have, you can't go up there after your NOC and go, yeah, we liked him. Um, but I mean, he was, he was just over the, almost over the top with his praise for this. Said he's never been this exciting, excited in coaching. I mean, what did you, what sense did you get from him? The greatest, the greatest combination that he's ever had at any level is what he said, right? right. Like, yeah. NFL, college, to have him and Harris Simiak, ironically, two guys that he, plucked from PJ Fleck. I, th- I think that Chiano, based on his past relationship with Shiraka, meant a lot. He, they talked about that extensively, that 
Shiraka would only leave Minnesota for maybe one other job and it was Rutgers. It just seemed like their bond really made this special and that that's going to be one of the driving narratives of this whole thing. Like the trust is there. Shano, I just had to get it out there. Like, so Shiraka is going to be calling the plays and he he like turned at me and smiled and started laughing. He's like, of course he's going to be calling the plays. It's <laughs> uh, good. Yeah. I love it. Well, why not? I mean, and that's, and, and my Shianoologists again, think that that's part of what happened in 2007 with, uh, what's 2007, the third year. No, I, whatever, whenever he left, uh, it was just the fact that, that, that he was meddling with the offense a lot at the end there with, with, with what happened with, uh, Shiraka. I don't know. I wasn't inside that room. I don't know if that's true, but so it's a valid question. Absolutely. So yeah, this, this, he's, he's tossing, the keys to uh, Shiraka and moving away. And I thought it was interesting to hear him say this too, Brian, just about like as much as play calling matters, it's development as well. Like he, he doesn't think clearly does not think the players on that offense are developing. Right. Yeah. And I think he had an interesting point on how he plans to develop, how he goes about developing quarterbacks, both physically with their footwork and all that to mentally, to understanding defenses, to understanding what's coming and playing naturally instead of, going out there and thinking too much, which I don't think he was speaking directly about Wimsett, but it sounds pretty spot on. It did seem like at times Gavin was thinking while he was playing too much. Um, uh, this is a teaser for another story we're working on. I spoke to Tanner Morgan, who uh, was developed by Shiraka at Minnesota, and he pointed out that that's one of the great strengths he, he has is teaching and getting you to understand the offense and kind of being an extension of him on the field so that you're able to look at a defensive coverage and just instead of thinking, okay, they're doing this, I'm going to do that. You just know it and you just react and you just play off that. Um, so, and I think that's what Shiano wanted in an offensive coordinator, a teacher, a person who could transmit this information to his players. I think Shiraka has proven that he can and that he, he has the ability to. I mean, he turned Tanner Morgan from a three-star kid into you know an upper half in the Big Ten quarterback. I think Rutgers would be over the moon if they can turn uh, Gavin Wimsett into an above average quarterback. So yeah, I think again, all these signs on paper are great. Shiano right. did lay it on pretty thick. I think a little too thick as you, as you said, I think it seems like he's trying to justify the reason it took this long and how great of a hire it is and all this, which is fair. I mean that he probably should do that, but until they get on the field and as truck said, spring camp will be a big time for this until they get on the field and kind of show that development. Uh, we're all really just talking about, about where it's right. they got they got to show it. I will say this. The one thing that did interest me, he he made the point twice of saying that he like we got to Minnesota, and I don't know if we had the worst offense in the big in the Big Ten. We we might have had the worst offense in the country. Then he said it about Western Michigan too. I mean, I I don't I don't know that does does he have a year to have the worst offense in the? I mean, if he had the worst offense in the Big Ten next year. Then there's going to be a, there's going to be heat under the staff at this point. It was just interesting yeah. to me that you're not starting year one here, Kirk. You're starting. You know, this is this is not hitting the reset on Shiano 2.0. This is under no circumstances, right? And that's what the people always skip over, right? He was so good at Western Michigan, so good at Minnesota. He also coached at Penn State for one year and got canned yeah. because yeah. at Penn State, that doesn't fly. So the question is, I wrote it in my article, how long will he have in Piscataway to build it? That's right. He's got the three-year contract, but you can't start off with the worst offense in the country again. No, no, absolutely, because they already have, they've had that now for, I mean, yeah, for a long time. Uh, all right, so Gabriel Winowich is the four-star running back. Uh, our man Todrick Cunt called him a uh, 
uh, shades of Brian Leonard, which gets people excited. So there is some recruiting momentum. And I think that, and I know, and I know everyone's asked, what does Greg think about the basketball team success? He, I think Greg loves the basketball team success for, for this reason, because he brings the recruits to that gym and, and, and they get to see it, be excited. It's a great part of the recruiting visit now. And here's an example of that. You know, they, they get a pledge from a four-star after, after who went to the Iowa state game. So uh, that's some, that is a good development. Um, I don't know if you guys have any other intel on how that weekend went, Pat, for the recruits. I know this is Todrick's territory. Any sense of um, what it looked like, at least from from afar? They uh, just speaking with a couple guys. They were saying that every single thing that like recruits want to see is what happens at the rack. And even even Sharaka said it too. He's like, I don't even understand what's going on in the court, but just being in that <laughs> building made me so fired up. Um, but that's the sense that uh, the kids kind of get as well that. Hey, this translates in an eight thousand seat arena. Maybe if we could ever get Rutgers football going again at a fifty-two thousand seat right. stadium, this would be one hell of a scene. So, uh, one of the one of the people said that one of the complaints is always that from from basketball people is that they take up the four rows or whatever it is in the student section, and how can we give away those four rows? Uh, but from the football perspective, it's like these kids really get locked in they get fired up and that right then there could be this closing time that we just saw with the with 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 the experience the Heldridge Hotel, a luxury hotel that's perfect for both the business and leisure traveler. Ideally located within minutes of Rutgers University, the Heldridge is convenient to all the action and activities at SHI Stadium, Jersey Mike's Arena, and the Rutgers University campus. The moment you walk through the doors of the Heldridge Hotel and Conference Center, you know you're someplace different. A place with an independent spirit and a boutique vibe. A place where you can immerse yourself in your meeting or event as easily as you can the local culture. Located in the heart of the city, the Heldridge lets you experience all that New Brunswick has to offer. Whether you're coming to New Brunswick for a fun weekend with friends, in town for a Scarlet Nights game, or attending a business meeting, book your accommodations today at theheldridge.com. With Vivinovich. Hey, in fairness, football gives up four rows too. Yeah, yeah, right. All right, they gave up. Let's, they gave up about an entire section on Sunday. It was about eighteen yeah, rows. It, that, that's the problem. Is that it's, it's a big, it's a big chunk of uh, real estate in that building. But they're about to give up the entire one hundred section at this rate. But yeah, uh, the 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 speaking of closing time. Uh, okay, they, so Brian's definitely a basketball guy through and of course, through. Of course, I, I am indifferent to how many recruits they bring. I could care less. It's not, but uh, I do. I do kind of understand the plight of. Uh, Longtime basketball fans, but it's it's a uh, winter break. Students aren't back on campus yet. Uh, I'm sure that not many students were left uh, waiting outside. Uh, speaking of closing time, Shadow closed Winovich during the game. Uh, they have a, a room up, up in the upper the upper deck of the uh, of the rack in the offices that, uh, that I was told they had a conversation. They're exiting, really? and uh, that's where uh, the game wasn't over before um, before uh, Winovich committed. And uh, there's a closing room at the rack. Wow. Uh, I, don't know if it was, I don't know if it was impromptu. Oh. I think it was impromptu. Oh, okay. the office that gotcha. you bring him to. Um, and uh, I, I don't know if we mentioned this about Bailey, but uh, Bailey told me an interesting thing about how he's sitting there watching the game. It's going back and forth. And he tells himself like, all right, if they pull out this game, I'm going to commit. And then sure enough, they win the game and he goes to the Pico in the locker room and, and commits. I don't know how much, wow. you know, I don't know if he's laying it on thick there. I, it's. I don't know. It looked like it. I mean, that's, I could. I believe it. Why not? I'm. I'm not. I'm not saying I don't believe the kid. I don't want to. I'm just saying. You know, it, it seems like a like a you know a storybook way to go. But uh, that's what he told me. And um, I mean, look, this could be 
uh, if if Winovich becomes you know the next great running back at Rutgers, if Ace Bailey takes Rutgers to the promised land as people hope, if Rutgers continues on this trajectory in both programs, this could be a day that Rutgers fans will remember forever. It could be a three thousand word Brian Fonseca story that Rutgers fans will read in the coming coming years. Yeah, absolutely. You're totally right. All right, let's dive into some insider questions. We got a lot of questions from people and some good ones too. So thank you for subscribing. If you don't already, our tech service is out of control. All right. A lot of how is Rutgers doing this questions, a lot of procedural stuff. It's funny that we had a question. Uh, from someone about the four-star recruit in this class, Delquan Warren, who, who we haven't even mentioned yet, which is it's just hilarious to think they have a four-star who we're just not talking about. We all know that players can change their mind prior to signing day. Warren has uh, stated he he's committed to Rutgers for now, but wants to take other visits. We know that Chiano doesn't allow this. It pretty much ended Kyle Flood's career as an aside when he did this uh, to not allow them to take visits. What is Peichel's thought process on verbally committed players taking other visits? I guess he allows it, right? I mean, is 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 that going to happen with, with Warren? Is that going to happen with Bailey? Do you know? So this is a, a much different than football. Football kids are you know loosely committed all the time. In basketball, when a kid commits, usually it's rock solid. And that's my understanding with Ace Bailey. He told me he's 100% committed. Yeah. My understanding is rock solid. Like most hoops recruits. Like when Gavin Griffith's committed, he was going nowhere. Delquan's a different story. When I spoke to him a week ago or so, he told me that he was leaving his recruitment open, almost emphatically so. I, 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 I told him, now that you shut down your recruitment, and he made sure to stop me and say, I am not shutting down my recruitment. He's talking to other schools. He's considering other visits. I think Louisville was a school he brought up to me. So this is a rarity in college hoops. But Sounds people- shaky. No, no, but to me, that sounds shaky. It does sound shaky, understandably so. But he's still committed to Rutgers. He hasn't decommitted. And I think Rutgers getting Ace Bailey certainly helps you know, kind of stabilize that. If they get Dylan Harper, especially so, that helps stabilize that. Uh, I think this is just a kid that uh, Rutgers was the first school that showed him attention and really recruited him hard. He took the visit he took to Rutgers was one of his first, if not his first. I think he, you know, saw the facilities. He talked to the coaches. He got swept up in the entire visit and the whole thing. And he just wanted to commit there and then and there. And now he's kind of just wondering. There's more stuff for him to see out there and and, and check right. out, which is totally his right. I think sure. I think it's totally reasonable. I understand Rutgers fans saying that if he's doing that, he's not committed. I think the kids could do whatever the hell they want. I think the coaching staff. Obviously took his commitment. I think they're hopeful that they can hang on to his commitment. I would probably think he's going to uh, stay committed the way things are going. And uh, I guess we'll see. I think he fits great at Rutgers. He's a defense first guard. He can play really well. Peichel really likes him as a player. I understand the the worry from the outside, but I, if I had to bet, you know, today, I think he ends up signing in November and and becoming a Scarlet Knight. And just to be clear, though, I mean, they're not done recruiting Ace Bailey either. And the kid's got Kentucky and Kansas offers. I mean, that's like, I'm just saying, like, Brandon Knight's number one job is still recruiting Ace Bailey. Like, just because he committed, he can't sign till November. There is a lot of time there. I mean, it's you're talking about distance, too, so you can't be in his gym every weekend. I mean, that this is, yeah. So I would keep keep in mind, keep in mind that that's, that's still going. I agree. Uh, all right, I no, agree. Ace Ace yep. does uh, one thing. Well, Ace does love the city. That was one of the things he mentioned to me about. I asked him why he committed to Rutgers, and one of the first things he said was New York City. He, he said really? he lived. He said he grew up in the mountains of Tennessee, so he loves the city. And but your point, <laughs> now St. John's is going to good job, Brian. <laughs> Get an offer from Fordham. I'm sorry. Your, no, you're good. You're good. I think Seen Hall was recruiting him too, so maybe uh, Shaheen Holloway could sell that point a little bit stronger. There you go. A little closer. I, 
Uh, but to your point about Brandon Knight, I mean, the guy got a huge extension, uh, uh, raise in the offseason with that extension he got. He's earning every penny, and he's starting to look like a bargain at this point, the way he's recruiting. So he, he's, he's the big figure here. He's the connection to Bailey. And uh, I was walking out of the press conference towards back to press road, right? And I saw Brandon Knight and uh, the family, the Bailey family and everyone there uh, kind of hanging out. So uh, they clearly have a strong connection. And I think that unless – you know, Brandon Knight leaves in the offseason, which I don't anticipate. I think uh, I would expect Bailey to be pretty rock solid uh, to go to Rutgers. But to your point, it's not over till it's over. A good transition to the next question. How is Rutgers getting the number six guy in the country when all these other schools have boosters offering huge NIL deals? I think part of it is what Brian just said. It's it's These guys work it. I mean, we were at that game. I mentioned the Bosco Camden game at Kane. Right there, if, if you're Dylan Harper, you look over there, your father is sitting at the end of courtside seats and next to him, not one, two, we're talking four Rutgers members of Pykele and his entire coaching staff. Uh, and then Plaxico Burris, oddly enough, but anyway, that's not Plaxico is not recruiting them, but it's just, it, it, those guys are there. They're out there. They're work. They work their butts off. Number one, number two, I think the, the, uh, you know, that Pykele is good at this <laughs> clearly. Um, and three, and this is an interesting one. Pat, when we talk about this stuff, it's like he did this the right way, I think. And Rutgers has gotten five stars before. We've got Mike Rosario. And I think about mm-hmm. the way, you know, Fred Hill was a, was a pretty good recruiter early on. He came here with the reputation. They, they thought they were getting one of the nation's best recruiters, the guy who helped build the Villanova program, whether or not you believe that with Jay Wright. He certainly, that was a reputation at the time. The difference is that these guys are, these guys are coming in and the foundation set. Like he just, he, he built something and then, and then made it attractive to big recruits, right? Yeah, he didn't, absolutely. he didn't just drag these guys here and say, Hey, turn, turn around the culture for me. Here's a basketball, you know? Ab- I mean, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And it just always goes back to the number one thing in recruiting. It's so freaking obvious that the, that the biggest thing with recruiting is winning. And if your program is winning, <laughs> so freaking obvious. If, if, it's so freaking obvious. If your program is winning and the program and the foundation is set, it just makes things so much easier. People yeah. want to go to a winner. That's that yeah. simple. Nobody wants to. No 15 year old kid wants to be your program savior. Like, oh, you can come here and be your savior. Right? Yeah, exactly. What, you, what were you thinking when you were 16? Yeah, I got to save Rutgers. No, <laughs> no. You want to win basketball games. Of course. That's it. I, I do uh, think the relationship with Brandon Knight played a big part. And uh, to your point on NIL, Auburn has a complete war chest. Like they can, you know, they <laughs> yes. they they can pay as much. And as a they dirty want. coach before that too, so they will do anything. There's no question. So correct. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Rutgers is in the neighborhood. Uh, I, I I could be wrong. I, I you know, no, you're not wrong. We, we could be wrong. I unless some some you know random person that came out of nowhere that we are not aware of, uh, which is certainly possible. But I mean, that, that would help explain th- this. Well, unless that is happening, Rutgers can't compete money-wise with Auburn, but I'm sure there's some sort of something there. Like this kid isn't coming here to play for free. I'm sure there's something we just, I just don't know what exactly how much it is, but I have to imagine there's something. It's I don't, I don't know anything about that family situation or everything else. So, uh, all right. Another question on Ace Bailey Smitty and Tom River ask what player out there in college or the NBA is Ace Bailey's game. Most like, I don't know much about him compared to Dylan Harper. Uh, also, will he be the best freshman to enter the Big Ten in 2024? Interesting. Two good questions. Can you give me a comparison, uh, if not in in a, not in the college right now, and maybe college recently? This kid, this kid reminds you of six ten with handle. Off the top of my head, I'd have a hard time 
he's really good. Uh, yeah, he's a you know he's a six foot ten forward who can handle the rock, who can shoot, who can create his own shot, who can get to the rim. Uh, he's a great offensive weapon. He's long. He's willing defensively. I haven't delved deep into the highlights. It's hard to find legitimate tape of these kids that isn't just you know courtside filmed highlights that don't really show how they play, right? Because a kid could have three dunks in a game that they shoot three of 17. So I'll delve deeper into that later, but I will say very confidently, this is going to be, if, if not the most talented freshman in the Big Ten, one of the most talented freshmen in the Big Ten when when, when he gets in. He's he's as, as talented a kid as Rutgers has had ever, rest assured that he's going to be really, really freaking good. Yeah. What about uh? What about Chris Murray from Iowa? He's kind of one of those like matchup kind of guys that that's long and does a little bit of everything. That's a good. That's a great call. I think he could be something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I I think he's well. I mean, obviously the uh, Bailey's thin, but Murray he's got a little bit more you know bulk to him. Um, right. He's so right now. I mean, he's the only. He's the only looking at the. Uh, the ESPN basketball recruitings, he's one of the only top 10 recruits that are committed and the other two are going to North Carolina. So it's not like there's, there's not currently a better big 10 uh, recruit. Certainly th- that doesn't mean there won't be uh, Michigan and Michigan state, obviously uh, Purdue uh, recruit at a high level, but looking down the highest other big 10 recruits, Illinois Montez Johnson at 42. So who knows? Yeah, you guess this is as good as ours. A lot of time between now and 2024. Let's all hope we live long enough to see that. Uh, all right. Um, let's talk about what else we got here. Uh, Michigan state. All right. We got some questions about how that game's going to go. K fine wants to know Thursday night's coming up fast and you guys are in charge of Rutgers basketball practice tomorrow. What are you focusing on for Michigan state and this team beyond? It's an interesting question. I mean, right now we're just kind of raving about how good the team's playing. Brian, you got, you got a, you got a, something that if you had to uh, put all of your practice time on, what would it be? Let me pull up their Ken Palm page to have a good idea, but, off the top of my head, make sure to defend in transition. Michigan State under Tom Izzo runs, 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 runs. Likes to get runs off of turnovers, off of rebounds. Make sure you don't give up too many fast break points. They will be without uh, one of their best players, Emily Hall. He's hurt. Uh, he, oh, did wow. not play, yep. he did not play against Purdue. I'd watch the tape, see how Michigan State kind of played without him against Purdue. Uh, obviously, they did it fairly successfully given that they almost beat Purdue at home. Uh, but those are the stables of Tom Izzo. Just- I'm going to go for one here. How about interior defense? Hey. I mean, Attack the basket. I this is one thing I haven't I've seen a lot of. It's I mean this this team is not as good around the rim maybe as you would want to be against Michigan State. I don't know. Am I wrong there? Rutgers is 210th nationally in field goal percentage at the rim. I just looked at this per hoop math. So that is an issue. They got they got to be better. Yes, they got to sh- maybe hopefully have another game like at Northwestern where they shoot the lights out from the perimeter. And then defensively, the reverse is that interior defensively. Rutgers is really good. They were great against Ohio State. Cliff had six blocks, three in the first half. Just a monster game from him. Cliff, as much as he struggled offensively of late, he's been tremendous defensively on the boards, which is another key yeah. aspect here. And and I think obviously you need Cam Spencer to stay hot. Uh, I mean, he, he might win Big Ten Player of the Week by the time this drops. But you need him to stay hot, and uh, you need Mawat Mack and Caleb McConnell to continue being elite anchors of uh, that elite defense. All right, old Mark, our man, old Mark has a question for about Cliff. You mentioned Cliff playing well defensively. Cliff seems to have uh, disappeared from the offensive end. He's missing layups, not getting off the floor when he goes up for a shot, keeps losing rebounds. Um, he did score points yesterday, three on dunks, six on free throws. He, he missed a lot of shots. What's going on with Cliff? I'm not sure I just agree totally with this because it seems like uh, the inside-outside game's working a little bit there with him. Uh, give me your sense. Is 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 
Cliff in a little bit of a rut here, or are we not worried about Cliff? Cliff's in an offensive rut. I think he hasn't developed enough offensively or as much offensively as people had hoped. Uh, his three-point shot prowess have been greatly exaggerated. He's, uh, I think he's hit four this season. He's Let me pull it up right now. He is, uh, the last four... thing that he has taken three-point shots yeah. is just, I mean, the last thing. <laughs> he, took a, he took a very ill-timed four-shot selection three-pointer against Ohio State in, in the middle of the back and forth. Um, yes, I think that as much as Pico is giving him the green light to shoot, he really should pull the plug. It's just not – I mean, he'll hit one out of every five. It's not – not ideal. Uh, and then offensively, he's struggling to score anywhere from, you know, further than three feet outside the basket. He can dunk. He can lay the ball in when the hoop is free, but it hook shots, he's struggling. He can't really create his own shot that way. Uh, his mid-range game isn't great. But I will say, to Mark's point, he went six of eight on free throws. Um, he's been yeah. great from the line as of the last five games or so, which is good. I mean, he draws a ton of fouls. He draws five fouls per 40 minutes, which is one of the higher rates in the Big Ten. So, Getting him to line and finishing at the line is uh, a way he can produce offensively, getting on lobs, getting to the dunking. Um, those are ways he can contribute. But as long as he keeps playing the way he is defensively and grabbing rebounds, I think he is a plus. Uh, because you saw what happened when he got off the floor in that first half when he had foul trouble. Antoine Wolfolk is struggling mightily uh, behind him. I mean, he's drawing 8.3 fouls per 40 in Big Ten play. That's astronomical. Wow. For, for context, Cliff and Miles Johnson were infamously – Big draw, uh, big foulers as freshmen. They drew five fouls, or they committed five fouls per forty. Wolfolk is at eight. Like it's it's insane, and that's why I don't know. One of the questions is why is Wolfolk uh, sitting in and Dean kind of taking his spot because Michael can't trust him to get on the floor without committing fouls immediately. Yeah, two fouls in four minutes against Ohio State, and Dean, to his credit, was not great offensively against Ohio State, but he held his own defensively. So to put a bow on the Cliff thing, as much as he struggled offensively. Great defensively, and behind him the depth is not great. So, two good transition here. Does so a, a reader wants to know if if his struggles will mean he be might be back next year, and also wants to know does Cam Spencer have another year uh, possible for twenty three, uh, for twenty two, sorry twenty three, twenty four. Uh, this is it for Spencer, right? Or is he Spencer has one more year? He does have one more year. Okay. Spencer's well, does any year. any indication that he's going to? I would be shocked it. if he doesn't come back. Okay, Shocked. that's good news. Uh, Cliff, would you be uh, certainly? We all thought, oh, this is his, you know, is Cliff going right to the NBA? I mean, I've seen every, I've looked at mock drafts, which is not something I normally do for the NBA. Uh, and his name's not anywhere on that list. So if he's if he's playing someplace, it's going to be he's going to get there, you know, in, in a different fashion than getting drafted right now. I am not so sure yet. I think if he goes to the combine, which I would not doubt if he gets invited, I think his measurables and his explosiveness and athleticism would blow coaches out of the way, out of the water. And one of them will be willing to take a risk on a guy of his measurables. He hasn't been producing as much as people maybe expected him to this season. But I think also to the point of he hasn't developed that much offensively in three years here, right? I think he's kind of tapped out his uh, how much he can grow in college. I think he'll want to go to the NBA and get NBA level coaching to take that next step. I don't know this for a fact. I think that he entered the season kind of no, out of knowing or feeling, having a good idea that this would be his last season. I think it would take an epic meltdown or an injury to kind of reverse his thinking there. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back, but I think more likely than not, he's headed to to the league after this year. We thought the same about Caleb McConnell, and he is still playing. Um, all right. I so I, I always thought Caleb was. Re- you I did because he didn't. <laughs> that's just, that's news to him. I'm pretty sure he thought he was gone. I sure. I mean, all these guys think they're going to make the league. I just think Caleb was a great defender, but his offensive game was always questionable. I I just I, ne- I never thought he'd have a chance of getting drafted. 
honestly, I think Cliff has a chance of not in the first round, but I think he'll, someone will take a second round flyer on him if he stays in the draft. All right, football staff question for you. Uh, we we haven't talked about this yet, Pat. Um, where is the offensive staff at after Nunzio leaving? Who is next? And you have an idea. Uh, and you have a wide receiver in your back pocket, Brian <laughs> K. I don't have one of those. And along those lines, any update on potential Chris Partridge hiring? Oh, uh, so this is fascinating, though, Pat. I mean, these are two important positions. We talked about it earlier in True and False. I think they need to hire a legitimate. I mean, Pat Flaherty, give me your, you know, googe up there. Boston College was at the Giants. Give me your real dude offensive line coach. Don't give me a high school coach. Don't give me a recruiter. Give me a guy who can actually develop those people, players on the line. I think they need that. But they have two slots open. So what do you think they're going to do with these two slots? Shiano's message was the same as it was for offensive coordinator. We're not going to sacrifice the right candidate for time. We're going to take our take our time with this and, and get the right hire. So my feeling is exactly what you're saying, that they're going to go after some veteran guy and not some recruiter type like like Augie Hoffman was or, or Nunzio was out of high school. So I don't, I don't even the Chris Partridge thing is fascinating. Uh, obviously, another high school guy that's kind of made yeah. it in, in the college world, but. That doesn't feel like a Shiano thing to me. It, it does, really doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. Be, just because the way he ruffles feathers and wasn't very well liked in New Jersey to begin with, I, I can't see Partridge being a being back at Rutgers or being at Rutgers in general. It just doesn't seem like the right fit. Right. I don't think he's coming either. I think Rutgers would be if he wanted to come back. I think Rutgers would be nuts not to hire him. I think uh, he, he's a defensive coach, obviously, right? And they have no openings. I think Defensive you move, coach, yeah. you move Drew Lascari from safeties to tight ends or whatever. You put Chris Partridge in there and you let him recruit his ass off because that's what he does well. And that's what Rutgers needs. Rutgers needs more than developers of talent. They need recruiters who can get good players into the program. And I just can't think of many guys that would be better than that than you know the, the best recruiter in the country like two years ago. So I, I don't think he's coming. If he does come, he'd bring Davison Igbenosin with him probably. Kid from Ole Miss, the Union Star, future NFL quarterback. So I think if he wanted to come back, Rutgers would be crazy not to hire him. I agree with you guys, though. I don't think he's coming back. All right. Thanks for all your questions. Uh, appreciate it. Hope we touched on as many topics as possible. Uh, this is fun. Though. So we got a what else? And I can we've been we've been like outrageously positive in this podcast. And now I can go. Come on, Pat. You can't you can't tell me the wrestling program can lose to Indiana. I can, I'm going to, this is great. We can use the what else to end this on a negative note. What happened? What's going on with wrestling? Scott Goodell oh. on the hot seat. You can't lose to Indiana. Everyone you can't, beats Indiana. You can't. You can't Everybody lose to, beats you Indiana. Can't, Indiana's like, we own that state, Indiana. man. You Come can't on. lose to Indiana. I, 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 had to Google, was... I had to Google that to make sure they actually did lose to Indiana before <laughs> starting that rant, but it clearly did. What happened? Well, one, they're without their heavyweight, Boo McDermott. So that is a huge loss. Oh, excuses, Two, excuses. Two, they were winning in one match, and and the kid actually got pinned, which was a huge reversal. It was like everything that could have went wrong in that match went wrong, and which is what is going on with the team in general right now. It's right. it's uh, they could be looking at a winless Big Ten schedule. Really? Wow! Which would be Fonseca, a huge get, step get back. Your, get your board right. Get your coaching board ready for wrestling. I'm kidding, folks. It's just <laughs> that's just it's funny. That's why we can kid about that. Um, that's, uh, that's 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 worse than we expected, though, right? I mean, that's definitely worse than expected, and it's yeah. it's tough because every team they're facing the rest of the way is ranked very highly, and Rutgers lost to unranked. Mar Maryland is uh, a team on the rise. I was telling Brian mm -hmm. this the other day. Like they're they're not <laughs> as horrible as they were. 
<laughs> and Brian was going, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was right. listening intently, uh-huh. Steve. Let's not slander yes. me here. Maryland. Uh-huh. I'll get I'll get Chipotle for dinner. Uh-huh. Maryland <laughs> wrestling. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh all right. So that, that's that's a shame about wrestling. Uh anything else we gotta oh, wait, talk here's about? The, here's the thing. They don't even oh, they more. don't wrestle Maryland this year. Oh, they do. They don't they wrestle. Do. They, do. they not they wrestle do. Maryland. They do. They do. Okay. Maryland is right. number 23. <laughs> Maryland is number 23. Wow. So okay. they are part of that ranked group. All right. If anybody on earth gets a gets a mulligan year, it's, it's Scott Cadell. So it sounds, sounds like we're heading to that. Uh, women's basketball won its 1,000th game in program history, which is interesting. Doing better than I thought. I thought they might go winless in the Big Ten based on that roster. Uh, doing better than I thought. Uh, anything else? Well, yeah, spring game, April 29th. Put it on your calendars. Back to the Rutgers Day format. Back to the Rutgers Day format. That's good. Good decision. Get more people in that building. Um, I think we've covered it, right, guys? Yeah. Final thoughts, Fonseca? What do you got? Uh, what do you think, Steve? Do you think this team in a month, basketball, will be contending for a Big Ten title? What's your, what are your feelings? Oh, do, do you want to dive into, uh, I guess this is probably better for another day, the, the competing for the Big Ten versus competing for a national title, how those things are different? Yeah, all right. That's a good point. Um, do I think they will be competing for... I no, because I think Purdue's gonna run away with go run away. I think they'll be in the mix for number two in the or certainly in the a double buy. I would be surprised if they're not in position for a double buy in a month. Yeah. Um, but I think Purdue is after after beating after winning that game at Michigan State where they, they took a punch, look like they're gonna lose the game, go back down, you know, the 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 national player of the year does what a national player does and makes a basket to win that game at Purdue at Michigan State. I think they're just gonna run away with it. But Yes, and I totally understand your point about winning in March versus winning in in the regular season. Go ahead and make it though, because I think it's an important thing. To- yeah, I, th- I think the way Rutgers plays their d- defensive intensity and and how they pr- prioritize that fits really well into the Big Ten play style. A league that plays slow, plays deliberate, does not have overwhelming athletes, does not have too many explosive offenses. They have efficient offenses, but not explosive offenses. That gives Rutgers a chance to stay in these games, compete, and pull out these games. Things kind of changed in March when scoring is a lot higher and you got to kind of keep up with these teams. We saw what happened when they played against Iowa, a team that's able with a high-powered offense that's able to outscore Rutgers' defense. I worry about whether Rutgers will be able to keep up offensively. I mean, they rank 117th nationally in offensive efficiency. Uh, I think they rank 11th in the Big Ten in offensive efficiency. Right. They kept up with Ohio State. On Sunday, that's commendable. Ohio State's defense is not great, and it's at the rack. The postseason's not there, not at the rack. And now, this is not to say I don't want people to clip this. And then in March, when Rutgers is in the Sweet 16, posted you know posted on my Twitter, I don't think it's impossible that Rutgers makes a run. In fact, I probably at this point probably pick Rutgers to make it to the second weekend. But I just think that Rutgers style is much more suited to the Big Ten. There's a reason. There's a reason why every year the Big Ten goes three and eleven in the first weekend of. <laughs> whatever it is of the tournament and that Duke and North Carolina are playing for the national championship is what you're trying to say, essentially. Correct. And without it, saying it. Yeah. Correct. And in fairness though, we're, we're in January. We're probably jumping the gun here. I, I just right. wanted to get that take out there, but the fact that we're, we're shoe, Rutgers is a shoe in for the NCAA tournament. Torvik gives them a 99.5% chance of getting a bid. They're in the tournament in January, in yeah. January. They're still, they're still like, 500 Rutgers fans who wake up every day and go, oh, where's Lenardi got us today in the bracketology? And that's going to happen until until the very end of the season. Right? Pat, I'm not wrong here, right? But that's yeah, still I, like... 
Yeah, it's popular. It's Every day, there's some. Oh my gosh, we're gonna. We fell to the six line. Oh, they were the five uh, recently. Yeah. yeah, that's where I'm. Yeah, that's where uh, Brad had them at the five. Yeah, that's. Uh, yep, absolutely. And we we that'd be they'll be psyched psyched out over the five twelve matchup. Oh no. Oh boy, South, South oh, Dakota boy. State or someone's gonna be in that five twelve matchup. Princeton. Yeah, Princeton. No, oh, that'll be fun. The game that would be, but they should enjoy it because. Usually around this time, you're looking at bracketology, wondering if you're on the bubble or in the field. So, of course, uh, it's a much more fun Lenardi deep dive for uh, for Rutgers fans. Enjoy it. It's about as uh, fascinating a weekend as Rutgers has had in a long time for a lot of reasons. Let's end on that note. Signing off. Thanks to Devco. Thanks to Brian and Pat. Appreciate everyone listening. And we'll be back soon to talk some more hoops. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.